welcome back. Let's get things up and rolling like we normally do. Let's give Matt a call. Da 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 da. Da da. Hello. Hello. There Hello? we go. There we go. Oh, could you not hear me? I could. On the camera. But you are now. So it's all good. Setting in. Turning the volume a bit. Oh, my mic's a bit off kilter. Hang on. That'll do. You can actually see me. Yes, I can see you. Good, good. Oh, stickers coming off. Right. <laughs> Hopefully everything's okay. Uh, anything open that doesn't need to be open? Nope, we all good. Got my drink, my snacks, and everything sorted. I've got my drink. I want a little bit of a yeah. cup because obviously festival bloats and shit. So I've got you my had water. probably way too much to drink. I mean, there was that, but there's also like just food vendors all week. Cause that's really all you can mostly do. Yeah, cause you're an alky bastard, and probably good for you to cut down. I mean, I'm not drinking for the next couple of weeks. So. I mean, are we just telling lies now? Should I just tell a lie? I'm not drinking for the next couple of weeks. Uh, not until at least okay. next Friday, because. I have the entire flat to myself next Friday, and that is ah. gonna be a uh, Lauren time just to just to chill yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, whenever you've got the house to yourself, you have a bit of me time. Um, I know I do. Exactly right. So we're obviously not gonna talk about the music and shit like that this week because we're gonna be doing a separate, completely new podcast for all that kind of download festival talk and stuff. Well, not uh, just download festivals specifically, festivals in general. Festivals in general, but yeah, we're going to talk about stuff like that. Uh, on so. a completely different podcast, because we're boring you guys most likely with the 20 minutes full of music talk, so... Probably. Probably. Sorry, I've not heard any I complaints. Got you got milk. That's my drink of choice, yeah, milk and some jelly babies, so I'll open them now. So yeah, oh. I've had some uh, fruit, and I've got more water, so... Give him a second while he opens up his jelly babies. That he's really struggling to open right now. <laughs> this is just not happening. There we go. There, they're open. Open seal something. Open them from the bottom. Well, back of the packaging. Because, I mean, I went to get something today from the Facebook Marketplace. And I stopped by Aldi because I live in front of our Aldi, so I got some cheap stuff there. Yeah, I actually, I'll show it to you now. I got a new MIDI keyboard. There it is. Ah, oh, um, nice. I actually, I, it's a bit of a side tangent, but because I'm doing the podcast, I can. I'm covering this this week's one. 
Mm-hmm. I went on the Facebook Marketplace because I don't know if anyone really goes on that much. Oh, and I, I do. Oh, I have do. I do. a couple I times. Spend, I can spend hours on Facebook Marketplace at times but, to share my shit that people put on there. I hadn't been on in a while, and I went on, and I missed an absolute snag where someone was selling an Epiphone SG Pro guitar. It was black. It didn't have the pit guard. A small Vox amp and a Boss ME80, which is basically like a square board of effects instead of like just a single pen that's got a bunch of effects in it for like £150. And I'm like, that's such a snag. Because even the guy in the description, for the first time maybe I've seen, maybe it's been another post, but he's been like, yeah, I know how much this gear is worth. It's worth like over 500 but I'm going to sell it for 150 This is a snag. Messaged him at the time, being like, it doesn't have a pit guard. Would you know where that is? No, it's as it seems. And I'm like, oh, great, okay. And he's like, oh, but someone's coming to see it when I asked him if he lived local, so that sucks. But I saw this and said, well, looking around, and I got that. And then I just went into Aldi. And for some reason, Aldi didn't have any energy drinks for sale. And the only ones I could find were Monster, but that was the packs of it. And I just wanted one. Because I usually just have one single monster for these um, recordings. Yeah, or that's fair. I mean, you could have just like stocked for future episodes. I could have, but I just, I just wanted to buy a cheap one, so I bought cheap Pringles, knockoff Pringles, knockoff. <laughs> Excuse me, cheap chocolate bar, and some Jelly Babies, which are okay. That's good. Okay. So I don't know anything about this case. I've never heard of it before. We're going no, a bit more on the other side, I, side of the world. No, I didn't one. mean to go like out there, but I was just looking because there's a Wikipedia page. And I think I mentioned before. Uh, it was like list of serial killers by country, and I'm a bit of a geography nerd. So just scrolling through there and seeing like how many folk had come from what country or what countries had like people who had some notoriety on them. I thought, oh, this is great. I was you know pick through them and obviously some of them dated back to quite old and i was like i don't know how good it would be doing a serial killer from i don't know the 1400s or like the 1800s because yeah we know about them but evidence and how much we know on what did actually happen Mm. so i was like ah and then i stumbled across this one and i thought this is interesting because it had notoriety and it's like of a place we've not covered yet, so hopefully you like the case. I mean, I got the choice, but so you don't know anything. You don't know anything, right? No, I've never even heard of this guy, so it's going to be interesting. Um, yeah, interesting one indeed. Uh, yeah, you're going to take the reins on this one. I'm going to sit back and listen and put in whenever I feel like it because I'm a little bit of an attention horse. So let's. Uh, we'll go. Yeah. I'm just gonna. Do you want to do the dis- Do you want to do the disclaimer then? I know I normally add in a disclaimer at the start of every episode, but since you actually um, uh, learned a, a bit, yeah, I'll do a disclaimer on this. Um, uh, trigger warning, if you will. This case obviously does involve murder. Um, by means of stabbing. There is also mentions of drugs and sex. So that's also if you don't like terms of in terms of like sex working, prostitution, um, paying for sex and murder via um, stabbing, then that is the trigger warning. There's nothing too too gruesome in this. Um, there are there's also a trigger warning for abuse. I mentioned abuse, but in a lot of cases, people are abused. So 
um, but there's nothing of too too varying like traumatic decree but if you do get triggered by that stuff or don't like the talk of people selling their body for sex or people getting stabbed things like that then I advise you don't listen further yeah that sounds good um, if there's other stuff I do apologise just want to think through the case because there might be something else I might mention that could trigger someone but to me it might not seem like it'd be that much of a triggering thing but that's the disclaimer for now Cool. <coughs> Excuse me. So, the case I've chosen, or the case we're going to cover this week, is on a man called Hayden Poulter. Which, you've never heard this guy's name before, not at all? Nope. Never heard of this guy. Very, very intrigued from what I've yeah. skimmed of the articles that you've sent me. Mm-hmm. So, we are going to go over the case of Hayden Poulter. So, this... This man was born, or he's born, Hayden Tyrone Poulter, on August uh, 1961. Didn't have an actual date, but it's August 1961 in Auckland, New Zealand. So this is a case from New Zealand. We haven't done one from there. Which is why I thought this was interesting. Um, Because it came on the list that New Zealand had some serial killers. And I'm always intrigued by New Zealand. It's a great amazing place that I want to visit but you know this seemed like a good case so he was a serial killer who murdered three people in Auckland in October 1996 between the 19th and the 26th and the reason I decided to cover this case is he has been labeled in the media as New Zealand's first serial killer interesting uh, hmm so yeah um I thought we should give up a... that's quite late yeah, that's what I thought, but the thing I thought, though, is that it is late, but if you know New Zealand, it doesn't seem, like, late, if that makes sense. Yeah, Because yeah. of a lot of things. I mean, every country has something bad. True. But from what I've seen in media, from what I've seen, New Zealand do a lot of things quite well, and there will be crimes that happen, but in terms of notoriety of stuff, compared to obviously like the UK, America, Russia, like France, Japan. We're nations where like there's been cases, huge cases of stuff throughout our entirety that it's just, you know, another one will happen to add on to the shared loads we have. And the media knows about this because there's so much cases that happen that the media reports on of tragedies that happen here. So New Zealand's one of the ones where you... As far as I'm heard, there's never been, like, a tragedy of, like, this sort of, like, serial killer-esque or murders or that sort of thing in the media. And if it is, it's, like, a natural disaster that happened in New Zealand or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I thought we should probably... I thought we should give a bit of context on New Zealand. Because I know people know about New Zealand. But if I said to you, like, New Zealand, explain... You know, could you tell me much about New Zealand in itself? You know what I mean? Uh, no, not really. Other than the like, gun control's quite high up there, similar with ours. I know they. Uh, it's not really. Most people just tend to ignore, not necessarily ignore New Zealand, but when they think New Zealand, they mostly just their brains go to the bigger island that's right next to it, which is Australia. Yeah. I just feel as though it's one of those nations where 
people know it's there, but knowing more about it, which kind of gives help and context to this, considering he's the first serial killer. But in terms of, like, unless you're an American who's just incompetent about everything, if you say America to people here, they go, oh, okay, yeah, America. You know, you can name a few states, you know, people from that state's California, and then you can name serial killers from there, or, like, New York and that sort of thing. There's more knowledgeability than just the U.S. Ah, yes, I know of it. Can you tell me anything? No. Or like us, or like France, etc. Sort of thing. So New Zealand is an island country nobody knows, which is off the coast of Australia. So it's in the region of Down Under. Um, so it's in the southwestern Pacific Ocean. So you know, it's the uh, seventh largest island country. Wikipedia said sixth, but it's not. It's behind. It's actually the seventh largest island country behind the Philippines and um, ahead of us, actually. Its total land area is 268.838 kilometers squared, which is more or less 269-ish kilometers and 104k-ish mile kilometers. But it's also interesting that, you know, it's an island nation. It's like us. Um, You know, for people who don't watch or listen to this podcast... um, or know what it's like being an island nation. Um, you know, New Zealand are kind of, I guess, like us. I know they're a bit bigger than us, but, you know, for most people who don't listen, being an island nation is not, like, a bad thing. Um, but there's nothing you can really compare to other places. I mean, island nations, we have just as bad criminals and just as bad serial killers as anyone who's not an island nation. But, um, yes, they're, they're, New Zealand's like brothers. They're kind of similar to us but not but they're like basically everyone would see New Zealand as just the other Australia etc etc so New Zealand's basically two islands which um, is made up of the North Island and the South Island and I've written them down what they are in a language where I'll explain but there's the North Island and South Island pretty easy Uh, New Zealand's capital city is Wellington and the most popular city where this crime happens is Auckland, which is located on the North Island and like the Greater Auckland region, so it's like right, right at the top. Um, which I looked at it in Google Maps. You know, there's a lot of, you know, roads and shit that go to it. It's a pretty big place. It's quite, quite big. So it's not like this has happened in the remotest place. Because I know New Zealand's an island, but some people might be listening, going, ah, because it's two islands. Is it like in this most remote part? And there's like just this area and nothing else around it, you know. So today, the majority of New Zealand's population is over 5.1 million. So most people are European descent because we colonized there, but a lot of people are also Maori, which is the largest minority, which is why New Zealand's interesting because as a lot of people have come over from uh, like the Pacific Islands and the Maori, if I'm saying that correctly, is like it's big culture thing that New Zealand has like a lot of people are Maori so it's derived from them and British people so um, the official languages are English and Maori and New Zealand sign language but yeah it's this weird eclectic mix of British culture and a lot of Pacific Islanders culture that just like mashes together in like mundles within itself it's a very interesting place so having something happen here in a place where the culture is kind of like home where we are, 
but not if that makes sense because a lot of new zealand looks like scotland in some places and a lot of people act you know they speak english and they act like australians and british people but a lot of it's mixed with pacific islands as well eclectic mix but that's basically a shorter summary of what new zealand's like so a pretty easy going place so the fact this guy's been the first serial killer and it's happened quite late on shows that new zealand's not notorious for having very high profile criminals they really know what to do with stuff shall yeah. we say i think you'd agree with that as well lauren i think new zealand handled stuff quite well they handled they, pro- they handled the pandemic probably the best way yeah they, they ha- did they were very on it from the start they handled it very very well we could learn a few things from them for sure oh easy yeah so yes we're going to talk about Hayden's early life. So Hayden was born in August 1961, as I said, in Auckland, New Zealand, to British migrants who had moved to the country. As I explained before, a lot of British people came over, influenced there. So his father was a violent person. He left the family and the country, which left Hayden to be raised by his mother and his stepfather. During his teenage years, he spent time in different foster homes where he claimed he was abused. I'm not saying all foster homes are like that, but he's claimed he's abused. But I feel from some cases I have read that there's a stigma with foster homes, people getting abused. But Foster homes and orphanages, yeah. There's, um, there's a lot of... Uh, there's, there's been a lot of issues with some... Not all are like that, obviously, but there no, has been... Um, some of them... They've got a reputation, them, yeah. to say the very least. Some of them are, are nice, like your Tracy Beaker type. But... Why is that funny? Just Tracy Beaker was a great show. Tracy Beaker was great. I just know it's not accurate. Yeah. So, in 1978, he joined the Navy, but was later discharged. Serial killer bingo. Take that one off your bingo cards, guys. He was in the Navy. Military of some in kind. In the Navy. Cue the YMCA song. Yeah, so Hayden went to work in various he jobs. He was born in Carlisle, but he was raised in the Royal Navy. Ah, yes. That got oh. funny. <laughs> He turned off the Wi-Fi and turned it on again. Ah, well, you can fix a Marine Corps ship. Join the Navy. Sorry, there's, if nobody understands, there's, a na- there's an advert in the UK about joining the Navy. And it's basically like some kid was like, when I was three, I learned how to build Lego. Well, not really. Someone along those lines. I was like, when I was seven, I learned how to fix a bike. Age 10, I could fix a car. Blah, blah, blah. If you can do this, you can join the Navy. I was born in Carlisle, but I was made in this. Always and it's Carlisle. Like a joke now, but always the Carlisle. Navy's not a joke in itself. But No, but that advert's always Carlisle. And it's always <laughs> If you know Carlisle, maybe... I've got a mate from there. It's. <laughs> yeah, I know someone from Carlisle, and he does get that shit quite a fair bit, and he doesn't like it. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he, was in the, he joined the Navy, but was discharged. And he went to work in various jobs, including advertising, farming, fishing, shearing, and demolition. However, between each job, he would rack up a string of convictions, reaching 67 in total, but none of them were for violence. I don't know what those 67 ones included, but none for violence. Is it not listed anywhere? No, it just said uh, reaching convictions of 67 in total, but none of them were for violence. I guess because it's 67 and period of time i'm gonna guess if it wasn't didn't... anything to do that would connect that would make him look like a future murderer then it's probably nothing overly bad 
I mean, you'd no. hope. You'd hope, but like, they obviously... I mean, if none of them are for violence... They would put it if it was something extremely bad. If it's like yeah. shoplifting or petty theft, shit like that, it might be like, it might be that. Probably. I'm not sure what the strict rules were for New Zealand there and their laws, but 67 nonetheless. Yeah, still not good. Um, Hayden suffered from epilepsy and depression, having attempted suicide at least three times. He did manage to have a brief relationship with a woman to which he fathered a son, but by the early 90s, they both left him. Mm. And he entered... That. Yeah. So he entered Odyssey House, a drug and alcohol support service based in Christchurch, seeking treatment for his addictions, because I can imagine at that time, a wife and the kids, and, you know, drugs, alcohol, and them leaving him doesn't really sit well, and then he might slump into a very deep depression as he tried to kill himself, so it's not looking good. Yeah. So, you know, he was pretty much close to graduating, from this place, you know, to get all the clear. But then he, like, relapsed again, which is sad. Mm. <coughs> Excuse me. It's sad because, you know, these drug people, you know, like, people might be in this case as well, where they're so close to the end, but they just couldn't push themselves that bit further and they relapse again. But by this time, Hayden began stalking... Now, if I say this cor correct... Um... Karangahapa Karangahapa Road I'm going to refer to it as K Road but this is like the infamous road it's become an infamous road in New Zealand but Karangahapa Road I think that's how you say it it's probably derived from the Maori language um, yeah. yeah so he began stalking this road as in quotes what he told the police he was looking for a bitch to kill apologies for that B word don't call women that he was hooked on LSD and cannabis, and he was in a relationship with a woman he met at this Odyssey house who was a sex worker. So, for, uh, interestingly enough, for my research, K Road, which we're going to call it from now, uh, was the first street in New Zealand illuminated by modern street lights. Essentially, in its heyday, this road in the 80s and 90s was a kind of hot spot where prostitution happened, even though prostitution was illegal. It was like the known road for doing that sort of stuff. Oh, it's like that everywhere. So, I mean, it is legal here. Yeah, but maybe but there. Yeah. But I think then it's not. And, you know, at the time, having a road dedicated to it and it being like a notorious hotspot, people would go to there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's always a hotspot for that kind of stuff. So, basically, that woman that he was in a relationship with a sex worker, that woman was jailed after her aggravated robbery of a dairy and during that incident the the police shot her and that was all it took uh hayden said for something to be triggered in him something that was building up for years bullshit bull fucking shit i am not accepting any fucking stupid ass excuse like this this uh, woman who I barely fucking knew, who was a sex worker, who I bet he barely fucking knew, got shot by a police officer, which is fucking shit and fucking tragic, and the police officer should be held accountable, because she was only fucking, like, it was a robbery, yeah, okay, yeah. A dairy? It was a dairy, so, yeah. But, like, 
Bet, I bet you there's some other fucking way I could have been dealt with. But either way, yeah, like, oh, I was like, oh, yeah, that happened, and now I have the urge to murder. It's like, fuck off, do one, you stupid gammy twat. I'm having this bullshit of, no, no, this isn't right. Gammy. Shut up, you dick. <laughs> gammy. I've never heard the word gammy being used. But, yeah, it just had triggered in him, which I think was him meaning he got pushed. So... Security cameras, because this is his first killing. We're going to go on. So security cameras captured the last moments of sex worker uh, Nacha Hogan's life. The 21-year-old was wearing a black and white dress with a red blazer and black ankle boots when she encountered a reveler returning from a rugby match. She once lamented to a television reporter that her work was unsafe, but that's the risk you take. Because one of her friends, Jane Furlong, had disappeared from K Road three years before. So these people who were doing the prostitution knew work was unsafe, but they just took the risk for the money. I mean, if anyone is listening and you are a prostitute, I don't know how it goes, but from what these people oh, yeah, for are context, explaining, they just... For, for context, uh, the new term is mostly just sex worker. Ah, they, they, they use the word sex worker. Yeah, okay. the prostitute tends to be used in like a very negative light. That's why yeah, it's got the most uh, sex it's, it's just the term that I've known, and I do apologise if anyone's listening and they don't like the term, but we'll use the term sex worker. Yeah. But it's used a lot here, but... I, you, you know, it's not yeah, like yeah. a very horrible, horrible word, but if it is using a bad light, I apologise. But there's just been that stigma. Yeah, of, that's yeah, the word exactly. Everyone's yeah, yeah. Used, so. But yeah, people obviously at this time, these sex workers knew that they were running the risk, but money be money, and they um, wanted it, so... And life isn't easy a lot of the time. No. And I guess at that time, if, should, if being a sex worker, sorry, was illegal and this road was notorious, you know, people could have got easy money for it if people were just flocking to this area, wanting it, that people could just do it themselves. Yeah. And get some decent money out of it. So shortly before 5 a.m., on the 19th of October 1996, after trawling two bars for victims, Hayden met Natasha Hogan on the street. They negotiated $60, New Zealand dollars, because New Zealand uses dollars, not US, for sex and walked towards Pigeon Park, which is a public park area within Auckland. I had a look at it. His car was nearby, but he preferred to have sex in the park, he told her. Weirdo. You do you. I don't know why you're having. I mean, yeah, you sex do you. Have a, it's like five a.m. Sex in a public park. Sex in a public park. It's fucking and weird. I, like, I, mean, I don't. I. You're gonna be cold. It's five in the morning. It's fucking freezing. Yeah, and plus, it's you're not gonna be able to get hard anyway. You fucking weirdo. Uh, it's definitely one of those places like here, like just doing stuff in public is just a no. I know in some countries people do it, and it's just. I know in Brazil, a lot of stuff crazy like that happens, but correct me if I'm wrong from what I've seen but like it's 5am in the morning there could have been people going out and about it's just ridiculous but he wanted it in the park yeah it's fucking nipples it's, it's fucking nipples would be harder than, exact, harder than him if he had to cut glass to fucking loo Jesus Christ <laughs> oh calm down through the dog in his dick I didn't think about that I just thought oh well he's gonna have sex in a park I did have an image thinking well, this is gonna be screwed but you know 60 I mean 60 dollars for sex. Ah. I don't know what prices are like, but... 60? Oh, fair, fair, fair. 
that's what I said, sixty dollars. Well, sixty New Zealand dollars, which I didn't bother to at that time find out what the price of those were and calculate it how much it would be now. Yeah, that's pricey. But back then, that's probably a lot. Yeah. Just for you know, one night of sex. But or one morning, but, but I should say. It's 5 a.m. Probably finish in 30 seconds as well. Fucking idiot. Probably. I mean... He looks like the type. image of him. He looks like the type to hit it for 10 seconds and quit it. Yeah, I mean, there's images I've sent yeah. Lauren from a site which you could put up. Yeah, I have been. Of stuff, as I'm explaining. So, yeah. Um, as he walked, as they walked to the park, he removed a Jack Daniels belt buckle and put it in his pocket, ready to carry out his plan. So, uh, Hayden then robbed, oh, trigger warning, it mentions rape as well, rape and murdered Hogan by bludgeoning her to death. Her body was later found by a nun walking her dog. After I'm not the nun, who's called joke. Sister Swindle's discovery. Gonna make, I'm not going to make a nun joke There's, at this moment in time, but there is one there. Is there? Ah. So yes, after Sister Swindle, which was the name of Discovery, police found a messy scene littered with evidence that painted a clear picture. When police found her, they saw that her, um, it says slight frame, I guess it's her head, in some, I'm not entirely sure what they mean by slight frame, had been bashed with two rocks, weighing a combined 44 kg. Body, bodily fluids and a condom were found at the scene. Um, Natasha's purse was missing and the $60 was in her jacket pocket. So after that, he's obviously fled the scene and, you know, done the sex and just fucked off. Six days later, um, Poulter sent a long letter full of misspellings to the New Zealand Herald's Auckland newsroom. Now, Lauren, I sent you a photo which has absolute dread awful handwriting on it. And it has more than what I'm going to say, but this is a part of what the letter reads. And oh, his writing's horrible. Yeah. I know mine's bad, but the letter he sent to the um, New Zealand Herald Auckland Room read this. To all you stupid fucks, I'm writing to you fucks, because those pigs, police, bad word to call the police, do not have a fucking clue. I don't even think they can read. I thought they would have caught me by now. Uh, this man... It's got some balls to write to the police. You could them... read that. What? You could read that. Oh, that's not what. There's other stuff that says on that. The, but you, the, the but image... you could read some of that. Like you can. I act... could read some of it, but I think it's on the other side of the note. Fuck me! I've seen two-year-olds up there handwriting. In this yeah, guy. the handwriting's not good. It's fucking dreadful. You and can that's... tell he's a psycho. <laughs> Jesus. Sorry. And that's for an elderly, elderly man who's. You know, not in his 20s. How old is he at this point? 30s. Wait, this is... We are on 1996. And he was born in 1961. Well, that's not that. Let's... So you can work that out. What? So he's like 35? Yeah. He's not that old. <laughs> he's not elderly. <laughs> ah, nah, kid. Yeah, he's 35. What's I just said it as a joke. I've just heard all my friends just like hearts drop because they're all too. Nah, I only kid. No, I love saying that though. I love being like elderly to folk and they're in their thirties, and I'm like, but no. Um, so if you look at the note, there's a bit on the bottom that says NBK, which presumably 
was a reference to Natural Born Killers, a 1994 Quentin Tarantino and Oliver Stone flick about two mass murderers who were victims of traumatic childhoods, which I guess would make sense. He had a traumatic childhood in his eyes. So maybe that's why he put it there. Cringy cunt. It's just the balls he had to send that note to the police, calling them the P-word, being like, I don't even think they can read. They would have caught me by now. More or less bragging. That's the thing he does. He brags. I don't he think they could... Brag. Like, the, the whole, I don't think they can read. I don't think anyone can read if you're writing shit, mate. Like, I don't think any cunt can read if you're writing anything. Like, you could... You, no. Like, the most intelligent person... The most, you know those kids that can spell out, like, really insane words at, like, the age of five? They won't even know what the fuck he's trying to say. Iridocyclitis. Yeah, that good won't even know what he's trying to say there. Yes. No. Um. So yeah, it's. T- I don't like to shit on anyone's writing. Mine's bad. His is quite bad. So on that, um, a former reporter, Roger Wakefield, remembered it. Uh, that note, or that letter, it was opened by a colleague at 8:45 a.m. on a Friday and was passed on to him, the day shift police reporter that day. An exhibit schedule later provided to the court shows Wakefield handed the letter and envelope to Detective Constable McGiven at 11.30am on the day it was received. It was kind of freaky, actually, Wakefield recalled this week. It seemed like it had a feel of being genuine. I rang the guy in charge of the case, and he sent someone straight away to pick it up, because it said stuff the killer would know. Although, Hayden boasted of other murders and described himself as a serial killer in the letter... Wakefield was dubious. I don't think the police were able to link him to any other killings. And in my opinion, Poulter was attempting to boast his reputation. I describe him as a sad megalomaniac who went berserk for a week rather than a serial killer. And quotes I have here from the sex workers at the time because, you know, this has happened and it's a scary period because a sex worker has just been killed. And they're in that reputation of work. And, you know, it'd be scary. I mean, accidents happen all the time in workplaces, but for them it would have been scary. So there's a quote here that says, 1996 was a quite a fucking hell of a year for us all. Terrifying as fuck. Which is what a former sex worker, Amanda Wolf, says. Wolf was actually friends with Natasha and the pair... Uh, a similar age were part of an unusual trio who stuck together on K Road but persistently fought with one another. So these sex workers knew each other in like the industry. So obviously if someone they know and their work's dead, it would be quite terrifying because they don't know if they're going to be the next victim. All these people out there going for them. So the third wheel of that trio was Jane Furlong, who was the person I mentioned who'd vanished three years before Natasha was killed. And Jane's skeleton was found two decades later at a remote beach, and her murder remains unsolved. A documentary was made about Furlong's disappearance, which featured um, Hogan um, naively saying death was a risk that sex workers were willing to take. So they weren't stopped by any of this. They were scared, because obviously someone, the Jane Furlong, had vanished, never found her killer. This Natasha has been murdered, and they know it's a risk, but they're still doing what they're doing with that risk, you know. Which, 
props to them. I, I wouldn't. If I was doing something like that, I would have just stopped, you know what I mean? And just said, no, I can't do this profession anymore because I could die. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we saw this with the Yorkshire Ripper case. It's, there were so many murders going on with sex workers, but they were, they just didn't know what to do. At that mm. point, it's one of those where, from what I've seen, it's very difficult to get out of that line of work. Most of yeah. your clients could be anywhere. And you get risk. used to it. You just get used to it. Yeah, and then like you have the money work. aspect of it, and it's like a bit easier to gain the money, but at the same time, it's also like it's just difficult. It's a difficult life. So if and you that's like, I mean, there's a few documentaries on on uh, people who do sex work. If you are interested in knowing their ins and outs of their daily life and why they're still doing it, definitely go check out some documentaries. The BBC yeah. have done a few of them. Uh, if you want to know a bit more, but. Um, it's not an easy life to stop. No, you you kind of lapse into it, and if it's all you know, you just like stick with it, and like doing something else, you just wouldn't know how to. Yeah. Because you just exactly. get so used to that. Excuse <laughs> me. So, Natasha's murder was the culmination of years of attacks and murders of sex workers. In 1989, a young Leah. Stevens disappeared into the night from the corner of Upper Queen Street at K Road. Her body was later found at the Murawai, and her boyfriend was charged with the murder. Then in 1990, Debbie Purdy, another sex worker, was strangled by her husband on K Road. So this has notoriety, this road. Although, yes, it's where sex workers work, but it's where a lot of them are ending up dying. So, you know, at the time of that furlong person's disappearance in 1993. Many street workers feared their lives. We were petrified, Wolf says. You could feel the tension. Normally people would say, well, I won't do a New Zealand accent. Oh, I'm from New Zealand. Hello, doll. That's that's terrible. That was, they would that was say, terrible, yeah. New Zealand have a weird accent, though. Uh, Rowan, um, only people I, I watch Viva La Dirt League and they're from New Zealand. They're a funny comedy trio. Um, they're really good watch them they have other people in there but that's how i know of a new zealand accent and i can't do it but besides the point normal people would say hello doll how are you doing you'd share a cigarette a drink but when there's issues you'd find people were too scared to work so they just go around stealing off each other she recalled finding out hogan had been murdered initially believing hogan's death to have been confused with others Hogan was not a particularly well-liked figure on K-Road, Wolf says, because of odd habits she had, like spitting or smoking in people's cars and accidentally burning their vinyl seats. But she was also generous, and fun, and free-spirited. And Wolf recalls Hogan routinely spoiled Amanda's children with clothes and toys. She recalled a time where the pair nearly bought nearly $100 worth of McDonald's and shared it amongst children who were living on the street. She was always generous to people. By then, New Zealand's Prostitutes Collective had set up a base near K Road. Its coordinator, Catherine Healy, spent time there working with the Department of Health to encourage the sex workers to operate safely while simultaneously battling the police who routinely raided massage parlours. The, the tension resulted in a Sorry. distrust of the police, and the collective launched its own system of registering dodgy clients. 
Women reported their experience to the collective to build what they called an ugly mugs profile. It was a pot puri. That's what it got there. It was a pot puri of people, drama, drugs, grog, and gangs. Private investigator Ian Varley tilts his head back, trying to remember working the beat along K Road in the 80s. A detective at the time, he had a front row seat during the street's darkest days. He recalls this like road as CD is a reasonable description of it. I don't think you would have taken your mum up there for a cup of coffee. That's the best way to describe it. There were characters up there. Most people wouldn't have lived a life like that. They certainly wouldn't have experienced it. Varley remembers Furlong and Hogan, but only just. There were but a couple of many working girls who lingered around street corners. But as of today, the K Road is nothing like its younger self, according to Varley. The community of characters which used to colour it have all but moved on. It was the disappearance and deaths which began to spell the end of an era for like this K Road. So more or less after he does his stuff, stuff kind of goes down and what it's known for just completely changes because of this. And because he's New Zealand's media coverage as the first serial killer in New Zealand, I could see why they changed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some some places like you know this is you'll know this fine for you, but like in Aberdeen, there's just some notorious places which are notorious for stuff, and it won't change, and it's not changed for a long time, and it'll probably be the same for Manchester. There's notorious areas or people. Yeah. And it's been like that for a while. Yeah, Manchester's got a and very weird one. There's quite a few changing. areas that are like, oh, don't walk there on your own at night kind of thing. Like, the area where I live in used to be like that. It's changed a bit. It's nowhere near as bad as it was in, like, late 90s, early 2000s, which is good because they've really done up the area. But, I mean, that's the reason why. It's because they've done up the area. Uh, but there's places like Broughton. Don't go to Broughton on your own at night. I wouldn't recommend that. Um, Langworthy, don't do that. Deal Hill Park in Langworthy, don't do that. Uh, Weast, same thing. There's quite a few areas. Uh, Hume, ex- oh, Hume especially. Manchester, Hume, Manchester. Don't go to fucking Hume at night because that's just. It's not safe at all in the slightest. Uh, there's a few areas in the city centre I definitely avoid going in when it's dark. Um, few people i can name a few there's a if you're in the emo scene in uh, manchester um danny edwards he's a prime one uh bit of a bit of a dodgy bit of a shit person never met him personally but uh mostly because he's banned from most places in manchester but <laughs> oh wow yeah he's banned for being a re- yeah he's a he's got a type in girls yeah but there's areas just and people yeah yeah it's kind of like and that's never going to change yeah no and as much it's it's like that in Aberdeen there's areas where I want them to change you know you make jokes about them but like in this case it took people getting murdered and disappearing for people to be like oh this can't go on anymore which is a good thing because it might have continued made there have been more murders probably but it's changed for the better now i haven't looked at it on google street view but obviously new zealand were tough to crack down on that they knew it was there but they were acknowledging it and this stuff sort of happens 
Yeah. So, but he doesn't just do the one killing. He does more. Of course. So, the next day, um, October 26th of 1996, Hayden um, watched a game of rugby at a Fort Street bar. Fort Street, from what my Googling was, was like a chain of bars. It wasn't like the name of the bar. Because obviously, like in the UK, there's bar chains, but you could go to your local pub and it could be called something. So he went to a Fort Street bar, down some beers, and made his way to a massage parlor door. Uh, a massage parlor door, which was a little bit away, and the massage parlor was called Cleopatra's. Mm-hmm. Um, earlier in the day, he'd bought a large army-style knife with a 16-centimeter blade. It was hidden on him as he entered Cleopatra's massage parlor. So, uh, Cleopatra's was managed by Herbert Richard Norris, who was living there with his new wife. Norwich, uh, sorry, Norris was middle-aged and had several children to form her partners. A receptionist was working there when Hayden Poulter came in at 4.20pm, paying $50 for an hour in a room with his pick from two Thai women. Um, their names are Angakana, Shai Sam, Shai Samret, and Lada Nymphet. Lada brackets Linda Nymphet. Probably butchered them, but he chose Lada Nymphet. Was the Thai woman he chose? Um, at some point, Lada left the room to make him coffee, and while she was away, um, Poulter, you know, got the knife from under the bed which he'd hidden. He'd obviously taken it out of his jacket, hidden under the bed. The managers of the parlour, Herbert and Angakana, heard screams as the door swung open. A naked Poulter emerged holding a bloodied knife. Poulter then stabbed both Norris and Chai Samret before fleeing the parlour through a second-story window at the back of the building. Still naked. All three victims suffered multiple stab wounds, both Norris and Nymphet. So Nymphet was the one he stabbed in the one after mm-hmm. um, she made him coffee and come back. And Norris was the owner. So come to their injuries, but um, Chai Samret survived, luckily. So the other two succumbed to theirs. Please. So after he stabbed them, hours later, a wounded Poulter, Eden, who was bleeding from his leg, walked into the Auckland Central Police Station at around 11.13pm and placed a knife on the counter. He surrendered to the police and confessed to the murders. Really? So he wait, just wait, wait. Is he, doing this, what, is he doing this butt-ass naked? I think so. I'm not too sure. He might have stole clothes. Maybe, yeah. There's no images of him naked, obviously. I mean, yeah, no one wants to see that. No one wants that. I've seen pictures of his face, and no one needs to see the rest of him. So no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he just goes to police. That's Fesses there and then. Weird. It is. It's he not, obviously it's not planned often this that out. You see this. It's not often that you see that where they actually just give themselves up. That doesn't really ever. It happened with Ed Camper, but that's because he finished and did everything that he said he set out to do. But yeah. He don't really. He planned get that. this out, obviously, because he went to the massage parlor. Yeah. And knew he was gonna kill one of the people he paid for. He obviously enjoys sex and sex workers, so he killed them. But obviously, when the other two came in, well, obviously you know, massage Norris parlor, and... they're not sex workers. 
Oh, sorry, no. I so do, uh... He just liked... Yeah, well... Kill people. I meant to say he liked massage parlors and... Yeah, yeah, workers. okay, yeah, he liked... Yeah, but... He, I, I'm assuming... I, I said sex workers, but I'm assuming because of this guy, he went in the massage parlor to probably touch them more than he's probably allowed to. Yeah. Because that's the type of person I get from this guy. But he obviously went in there with the intent of... Because he trolled the area before and he went in that bar... But obviously, you know, Norris and Nymphet, um had survived. Uh, no, sorry, succumbed to the injuries. But, you know, it was Norris and Chairman said that heard the screams and obviously went to check and he just stabbed them there and then because there would have been witnesses. So, you know, it's which is sad because, you know, if Norris maybe hadn't have gone to check and Karim set, then... They might have still been alive, but um, no. Karim set survived. I keep saying this wrong. Karim Chasamret, if I say it right, I keep butchering the name, was the one that survived, and that was one of the ones that heard the screams. But it was Nymphet, the one that was in the uh, massage room with him. So we obviously intended to kill one of them. Yeah. Just so happened he chose Nymphet, and um, she died along with the owner who heard the screams. Sorry, I was saying that all wrong, but confusing myself. Which so sucks. Easy, I mean, all of them, he... Mm. All of them, he probably intended them that they hoped he would... Uh, all of them would have died, but, you know, one survived, thank the Lord. But he, he probably... W- he turned himself in, but he's the type of person that, from what that seems, is like he'd commit a murder and just, if there's any witnesses, oh, just stab you guys, you can't know anything, and dash away. But he obviously decided nope I will go in and confess myself the fact he went in and had the knife and put it on the uh, counter of the police station sent Auckland Central Police Station like a big police station because Auckland's huge yeah. and just surrendered so long before he went to the police station and asked um, to speak to a constable about important matters um, Polter had a history of needing to confess to his sins, his mother said. In his youth, he would escape from an institution, commit an offence, and contact the authorities. Poulter's confession, however, was unusual. While fully describing the events of the past week, Poulter said he didn't remember the week between the killings, but also attributed his offences his offenses, to a second personality he called Hell, which he said drove him to murder. Bullshit. Yeah, I don't believe that. I he, he he wasn't cuckoo crazy. There's no other second half. He planned to do this stuff. You agree with me on that? It's yeah, yeah. It's all premeditated. It's hundred percent premeditated because he was stalking. He was stalking a place for a while for the first one for one. So that's definitely premeditated. He wanted to do yeah that road. some form of harm. Uh, maybe full murder clearly full murder he was wanting to do this he planned it out and he planned both yeah and then with this one he'd avidly pick like it's a random place it's it's not exactly a random place but it's a building that he's gone into to do this when people walk into a specific building to commit a crime it's planned out to go and do it because you don't just walk up to a random door and just go in and do that. 
is definitely yeah. planned out. It's yeah, like he planned to do it. It was hundred percent planned. Yeah, it's because he pays for the sex worker, knowing well that he was going to beat her up afterwards and do those horrible things and rape her, and then buying that knife earlier and then bringing it to that massage parlor. You know, yeah, the other second part of you held just overtook you and took you, took control of you to the point where you went to get a knife and then you brought it with you to this massage parlor after you had been drinking beer on a nearby place and then drove down to this other place where you knew you'd get a massage from Thai women. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Pretty much, you know, figured out what he was going to do and did it. So he later elaborated to the Prohibition Report writer that he thought the massage parlor workers were gang members out to get him. Don't understand that. Why would you think massage parlor workers? Oh my Why would you God. think massage parlor workers were gang members? I don't understand He's been that. watching too much fucking TV. <laughs> Excuse me. I just don't know what he's seen that makes him think that. He's watched too much TV. That's what's happened but, there. He's watched too many movies, too much TV to think there's some kind of undercover shit going on in a massage parlor. I mean, th- that reporter, writer who, you know the Prohibition Report writer, described him as polite, quietly spoken, and mostly lucid. Um, Although people won't believe me, I do have remorse, Poulter was recorded as saying. Bullshit. He's quoted in saying this. I am sorry for what I did. I will be punished for the rest of my life, but I can't change the past. All I can do is change me. Fucking wet wipe. No, you're not. Fuck off. In, Fuck off. In 1997, after being declared sane, Poulter pleaded guilty to murder, rape, attempted murder, and possession, and possessing an offensive weapon in public. Days later, he was jailed for life at Wanganui Prison with a 15-year non-parole period. So, he says he's got remorse, he's confessed himself, his mum said he needed to confess for his sins that in previous attempts... It's premeditated. It was was premeditated. The cunt's not got remorse. You you don't have remorse if you've premeditated something because if you you'll you might have remorse if it was an accidental thing or it was on a whim and you weren't planning to do something like this. Yeah, you possibly will have remorse for the thing for the for horrific thing that you've done when you planned it the way he has. Bitch, no. If you had remorse, you wouldn't have done it in the first fucking place. So, many victim impact statements were tendered to the court. Seven from Herbert's family and ten from the Thatcher's family. Um, Mm. Lada's family couldn't be reached, according to Justice Patterson's sentencing notes. And Ang Kana didn't pro-offer one. Um, It is unlikely, I suspect, that I will ever be so moved as I have been by the statement in this case that Justice Patterson said. I am conscious of the emotional and physiological harm the family and friends of the victim have suffered. You took three lives, but it is no exaggeration to say that you have devastated, if not destroyed, the lives of many others. At his sentencing, Hayden wrote one more note, this one starkly different to the one he sent to the Herald letter. Instead, 
The words read like a victim impact statement. Various words were crossed out and replaced with others. The word nightmares was substituted for bad dreams. He's quoted with saying, um, "It's." I think this is in the, the letter he wrote. It's been almost a year and I'm still struggling to come to terms with it all. I am constantly plagued and tormented with bad dreams for me. It is a punishment on its own and something I have to live with for the rest of my life. The remorse I have within me is genuine and deep, especially for Natasha, as her life was a lot like mine, filled with abuse and violence. I do not care if no one believes what I'm saying, but I need to say how sorry I am. I am sorry, Natasha. I am sorry, Lada. I am sorry, Herbert. I am so very sorry. Get fucked. Not believing that, mate. I'm a fuck, no. Why did compa- you do then? Bullshit. Get dude. Get fucked. Nah, I don't give a flying it's, shit. It's the you know. Grim- I'm deeply, deeply like- sorry for Natasha because her life was a lot like mine, filled with abuse and violence. Cut, the cut looks like he could be a villain in The Hobbit. He can fuck off. <laughs> and the fact he's doing the whole thing of like, oh, I don't care if no one believes me. It's fine, but I'm telling the truth. But you're just not gonna believe me. No, because if you were fine with, you can't say because if you're fine with it then that means that you don't give a shit but if if you if you weren't if you were like because any normal human being if people thought they were constantly guilty for something that they genuinely had remorse for or whatever like they didn't believe that you were sorry then you would be you wouldn't be fine with it you wouldn't you wouldn't be no. you wouldn't over time like give it like 10 years or so you might come to terms with the fact that no one's ever going to forgive you for it and you can kind of learn to live with that but you're not going to be 100% fine with it but this couldn't like after like what a few weeks it's just like yeah I'm cool with it what and it's like no shut up yeah it's it's very petty though <clears throat> after doing these crimes to be like I am so very sorry for the people's lives I'm taking away you know there and then you knew what you were doing so you weren't sorry then for knowing you were going to take lives but you get you confess yourself and know that you're going to face consequences and then be like I'm so sorry after that it's like I can't with that you know what I mean yeah yeah I can't it's just bad so he goes to prison um he was sentenced to prison in Wanganui prison which is one of the uh, 18 adult correctional facilities prisons in New Zealand. <coughs> Excuse me. So yeah, he was actually first eligible for parole in late 2011, but it was denied. Yes, he was denied parole again in 2015 and 2016. Thank Lord. In June 2018, after 21 years behind bars... Hayden was paroled for the first time, with the board believing he was no longer a risk. Bullshit! In July, Hayden changed his name to John Leon Lorenzo Don't and moved in that. with his sister, where he started a landscaping business. He had Don't. a long list of parole conditions, and his work and address had to be approved. He was also required to undertake drug and alcohol treatment. He was electronically monitored and not allowed to drink alcohol. Why are you letting him change his name, though? That makes no fucking sense. Just no. Like, if you're like, 
don't think he's a risk anymore. Yeah, but you know, just in case, because he killed like a lot of deadly people, just keep him. Just don't let him change his fucking name, because people are going to yeah. be looking for the guy for this Hayden guy. They're not going to be looking for this other cunt now, are they? No, they're not going to be looking for him because that's not going to be resonated in the brain. But the other cunt might be. It's just oh, he's got he's got a pretty distinct last name, Bolter, and his first name Hayden. It's pretty distinctive enough in itself. I don't know any Haydens. I, oh, I do. My cousin. My cousin's called Hayden. Oh. No, Haydens are notoriously bad people, I hope. No, Hayden's a good kid. He's a, he's a kid, so. He's a good so, kid. yeah. Between June and August 2018, there were reportedly no issues. However, by late August 2018, it was reported that Poulter had started taking drugs and was supposedly planning to fake his own death so he could be free of his parole conditions. His prohibition officer, who was already concerned with some of his behaviour, informed the New Zealand Parole Board, who granted a recall application. On 27th of August 2018, Hayden was taken back into custody. The day of the recall, Hayden was given a risk assessment where he denied that he was going to self-harm. He did admit, however, that he wished to speak to a counsellor. On the 2nd of September, an officer attempted to make a referral to a private counselling provider. On the 4th of September, Hayden was seen by a nurse where he denied any thoughts of self-harm and suicide. The nurse decided the forensic services did therefore not need to be involved. So he, you know, he's taking him back into custody, you know, they're checking him now because they're like, something's going on here and it's not looking good, which it wasn't. Because on the 22nd of September 2018, Hayden was found dead in his cell at Wanganu Prison, with his death being ruled as a suicide. The exact details and and the method of his death are suppressed. It's not been let out. But yes, that means he died at the age of 57 from what they presumed to be suicide. Which, probably the case if he had thoughts of self-harm and suicide. He just wanted to end it all. Get and get he's wrecked. dead. Get wrecked. No I, idea I, where he's buried, but... Don't, I... Uh, it, luckily, he didn't do anything when he was out other than do drugs. But yeah. the fact that he was planning to fake his own death so he could get away from his parole is even... is like, yo, if he would have done it, then and he did it successfully, which I don't think he would have. That could have gone so bad. Yeah, I mean, I know from seeing documentaries from people that it's tough to adjust to life when you come out of prison, so that's why a lot of people want to die. Yeah. Because they won't cope with life. Like, and we explained it with the Fritzel case, you don't realise when you're behind locked doors for so long and you've not seen the outside world... You just, it's just a marvel trying to adjust. You, It's not something you can easily do, you know what I mean? No. You can't just, yeah. boof. It's like with anything. I can't just shove a drum kit in front of Lauren and go, play the drums. And next thing you know, she's the best drummer in Manchester. No. <laughs> just Manchester. You need, you need to take ages and ages to get to a stage like that and learn and adjust and feel comfortable. Which is why these people, when they come out, they can't just, you know, plonked after, say, say someone goes to prison for 20 years. 
so much shit's happened in 20 years that you think adjusting to it's fine. Yeah. Especially when it's, like, big, long time periods. Like, a lot of people who could be let out now, if it's been, like, 30 years, that's, like, the 90s, however, when they went in, they never had a phone. They never had a cell phone. They never had, like, a computer. Like, a big computer like that. There was never 3D games, this sort of thing. So, probably he just wanted to die because he just wanted, probably, in his mind, that was the ultimate confessing for his sins. You know, like... As I explained, he handed himself in because he wanted to confess to his bad things. Maybe this was the ultimate thing, that other second half of him, that hell, as he described it, told him that to truly confess for your murders, you must kill yourself. But we'll never know. No, that was an an interesting one because that is like... Yeah, that's not really one that I've ever heard of. I don't think there's a fair few people that haven't heard of it before. No. I mean, in the media, in New Zealand, he's been labelled as New Zealand's first serial killer, and I couldn't find much on other New Zealand serial killers who weren't, like, yonks ago in, like, 1400s-esque or whenever it was. So I thought this was a very interesting case to cover because it details more than just him. As a killer, it details New Zealand on itself for like him being the first one they've labeled their serial killer, the area he's done it in, and the notoriety. Because, like, you know, like a lot of cases we cover, the yeah. area in which they do the crimes becomes the notorious thing. You know what I mean? Like, I could say a serial killer and you could be like oh yeah they did it in this area and that's the area that's now notorious for it and because it's the first one for New Zealand serial killer wise that area has now become synonymous which is true because if you googled it I I can't remember how you say it now but the K Road mm. you know the article I sent you yeah. the infamous K Road you know, if people are making articles saying the infamous. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But hopefully Lauren was showing you the photos. His was... mugshot his mugshot's very weird. He's not even looking at this. He's looking down, he looks very sad. Yeah, that's what I saw when I saw it. So I couldn't find much actual photos of him himself. Yeah, if you listen listen on audio, which you might be, uh, go check out on YouTube where I've been uploading like all the pictures and stuff. Yeah, because where is it? They had an image of him on the security camera when he meets the first victim. Yeah, why is he wearing a fucking Union Jack flag? I don't know. I mean, you know that Union Jack is on New Zealand's flag, right? Yeah, but like from that angle, it just looks like he's just... It is just a Union Jack. Yeah, I don't know. And maybe it's just that... Maybe we don't know about it, but there's more of a sense of UK-ness and stuff I think there. that... No, that's just, a, mean, well, that's just a flat-out Union Jack flag. That's not... Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. You know when you, like, go abroad somewhere and for some reason they'll be flying a flag... You know, big flags in these other places. Or, like, pubs and shit. Maybe he was out and about. And... Maybe. Just had a Union Jack. Because, as I said, there's the mix of the cultures. Has he got a fucking mullet in that picture? I think he does. I think he does. Some people can pull off mullets. He is not one of them. 
Yeah, but you know, I, there's obviously we we have the image of the letter. Yeah, he looks. Which like is horrible. Yeah, he's a creep. Um. Guy. But yeah, the mug shot I find weird because that's the only image of him. Yeah. And then in the other article, it had images of the other people, you know, like I mentioned that Jane Furlong who went missing. Yeah. That sort of thing. And that Debbie Purdy was like a sex worker. And it's so weird because, you know, I I don't know what that road is like now, but what is it? K Road... Yeah, look, if I just Googled K Road, K Road, Auckland. Yeah. With the reputation of the red light district. Now it's one of the cultural areas. Yeah, it's undergoing a slow process of gentrification, which is the word for when you change the... It's one of the ones where they had a photo. Was it? Oh, yeah, and that one of the infamous K Road... It actually has a photo, if you see at the top. I don't know if you saw it. The 1995 Karangapa Road street scene. Yeah, also, it's pretty, uh, from what I can see, like, now. Yeah, that old photo is weird, though, because it says, you know, XX adult videos, adult shop, New Zealand's largest range of adult supplies. Because, as I mentioned, Wellington's the capital, but Auckland's the most populous area. Yeah. But having a look at the road now, it's totally different. But, but yeah, from what I can see, um, K Road has like a very nice side to it. You don't have to think about the negatives. Yeah. It is home to many cafes, restaurants, bars, and oh, the, and and it's pretty much bike. known for their gay for its gay scene. So yeah, there's a pride flag. I mean, you can't if an area is notorious for having sex related stuff trying to get away from that it's gonna be difficult yeah it's gonna be quite tough but and i know they've you know the big lgbt scene and everything happening there and yeah. it's quite good but that's good its history is just implemented in there because it's a pretty well developed sort of like um area within auckland that the stigma is still there yeah but looking at the old photos it's obviously changed since then but it's interesting now that you can there's an infamous area of new zealand you could say there's not many areas i could say oh i know that's infamous for this but it's been a good case to cover and i'm kind of glad i picked a decent one i was worried i wouldn't be able to pick a decent one but i don't know what what, what do you think about this case i thought it was what good i thought it was good i think it was a very good one to do that's fairly not massively long because I'm still partially dead. So, yeah, but <laughs> it was a very good one. I think it's very good, very good insight into it, especially, especially with his mindset and a lot of things. Yeah, and I think you're on the same boat as me that this guy knew what he was doing. All this soreness, yeah, and bollocks. Bullshit. This man had set it out. Not in the case of other serial killers, where like he wanted to be. You know how you mentioned some of them where they try to up the numbers of someone else to be like, oh, yeah. I can murder more folk than you. Yeah. Or I want to be known as this. It just so happened that he is labelled as New Zealand's first serial killer. He never had the mindset of, I want to be New Zealand's first serial killer. But, yeah, that was never in his 
he just did yeah. it and that's how it's become but I do praise the fact that New Zealand's first seal killer as they've labelled it happened in the 90s which is quite late that's a good sign I'm not saying anything about him is good but in the terms of the fact that he was very late compared to America yeah compared to America or like us yeah America and the UK were a lot in the UK it's very scattered (coughs) I feel like over time since the 70s and 60s it's very scattered over like the time and everything whereas America the yeah. 70s it was not a good fucking time if you were in no. California especially just like it was not a good place to be whereas like yeah this didn't fucking happen till mid 90s like no two years before but I was born it rocks the area which is why isn't it yeah if it's case, first one it will because for New Zealand this sort of stuff's not happened like at that, all yeah when imagine it like just happened Imagine like you you live in New Zealand and then you turn on the news in the morning and it says like serial killer in Auckland and it's like yeah what even if you're on the other island yeah you just have the, like the lower island you just get you just probably go, you're probably just thinking have they spelled America wrong there like no well no <laughs> like that's probably what they're thinking because like that should they're and probably they're probably like um how we are in the well they're also the same way as how we are in the UK when it comes to if there's ever a gun crime in New Zealand or in the UK, it's rare it, that it happens, but if it pops up on the news that it's happened in, the, in either country, you're like, have they said America wrong here? Like, Yeah, and I mean it's good in this case that they've had tight, restrictable gun laws yeah. where, it, I mean you know, if you knew anything about New Zealand before this case, you would have known that more than likely it would have been via stabbings yeah, or yeah, using yeah. other means. Because New Zealand, as I said, is pretty much like us. I mean, if you they've saw the photos... They've only just had to change their gun laws because they've never really had it before. No, I mean, as you saw in the photos, the drive on the left, they're a mixed bash of culture, but in terms of laws with guns and stuff, they're similar to us. Yeah. Which sucks that, you know, people have to go with the way of stabbing. But as we said, it's probably rocked that area of Auckland for sure. And yeah, I guess I at the so. time, you know... It's weird, because at that time, right, people would have known that serial killers and things were a thing, but it hadn't happened where they were. So when it did happen, maybe folk might have been like, well, maybe it was only time before someone snapped around here or something bad, bad happened in that sex worker area. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm not saying that, oh, oh, if a serial killer and murder happens here that we're just like we shy it away but we know about this stuff because it happens it's happened a fair amount of times in our history that another one's like ah it's another one to add to the list and it's shocking but in terms of the people in New Zealand at this time probably not as shocking because it's their first one and people must have been dead shit scared yeah exactly but I thought it was interesting because You've now heard about a case from New Zealand, which I didn't exactly. know there'd be any. So yeah. it just shows that no country's safe. Yeah, the exactly. The whole world has got the whole world has really messed up places everywhere that you might not even know about, mm. or bad people happening in all these areas. So some countries have good reputations, 
for good reasons, like a lot of the Nordic countries, or like Switzerland, in this case New Zealand, but bad stuff can still happen, so gladly this guy's dead. He yeah. Uh, letting him out on parole was bad. He shouldn't have been out at all. Oh, yeah, 100% no. Even if it was, even if it wasn't so long. Even if he's deemed sane, it's like, no, he, he, he murdered folk with maybe an intent to murder more. I don't know. It's as we said it's so weird that he did it and then willingly confessed that's what's yeah. getting me like he just willingly went and confessed but yeah that's an interesting this case. is an interesting case so hopefully you guys liked it because i took over from this one so yes thank you for you doing know. that because i would not have had the energy or time to no do it. and it's a small one it's yeah. not a massive massive one and there's not too much gruesome stuff but there was stuff enough for a trigger warning but yeah know. and let me double check for uh next week because i want to see if we've already covered this one because i don't think we have and i've got an idea for one because we've done a few tame ones lately i don't think we've done it tame, but the spectrum of them has been different because we okay. did mary bell a child killer from... i've got a gruesome one okay. and it is not a uk or america one oh okay Next week's episode is going to be on Peter Curtin, a.k.a. the Dusseldorf Vampire. Oh, the Dusseldorf Vampire. He is a fucking wrong gun. And, he was, and a little bit of a spoiler, but a little bit of a thing to add to it is that he was executed by guillotine. So that's going to be very interesting to hear about. Because I don't think we've had someone who's been executed by a guillotine. <laughs> Ah, and that's a, you know you know a fun fact. You want to hear a fun fact about guillotines? But you probably already know it, don't you? They only ended in the seventies. And no. Okay, okay, go on. Oh no! Yes, actually, yes, it is. Mid seventies. Yeah. The last didn't. execution by guillotine occurred in nineteen ninety-seven in France. Nineteen ninety-seven. Oh, no, no nineteen seventy-seven. Sorry. About to say it was definitely the seventies. No, it was nineteen seventy-seven. But oh, that's what I'm thinking. Wait. Oh no, it was September 1981 where France outlawed capital punishment altogether. But which the is last why they one imagined. was in 1977, yeah. So yeah, that one is going to be next week's episode. Keep an eye on our Instagram if you want any more updates. I've noticed quite we're going, more people have started to find our Instagram lately, which is awesome. And yes, you, that's good. If you've come along from the band Skinned, then thank you very much. It was a pleasure seeing them at Download Festival on Friday. Uh, my basically, I've never I've never seen them play before. Uh, my friend was like, "No, you'll like them. You, you you'll like them. I, I I guarantee you'll like them. They're right up your street." Well, I was like, "Okay, yeah, I'll catch them play. Why not?" Stood there, and they, they opened their set with The Night Stalker, and I was like, okay, now I see what you mean. I see, what, I see what you mean now, and there's many mentions of different cases in between each song, and it was fucking epic. So yeah, I posted a little thing about the fact that I was there for that, and they very, very happily reposted the True Crime Friday podcast Instagram story where I was there, uh, which thank was you. absolutely incredible. So Skin, if you are listening or watching to this, thank you so much, that means a thank lot. You. Uh, to both of us, that is absolutely incredible. You guys were amazing yes. live, and I'm definitely listening to you a lot freaking more. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, check out our Instagram for updates on episodes, stuff like that, and 
I need to crash because I have yeah. been fairly active today. But then again, I did only get back that back back midday yesterday. Uh, this is Monday for this is, we're we're at Tuesday now for me and Matt while we're recording this. But I got back mm. on Monday after five days of camping, little sleep because yeah, camping in a tent wakes you up at four in the morning. So after going to bed at like two, so yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. but yeah thank you guys for listening thank you guys for watching if you have been watching I hope you're enjoying all of this and we just hit 300 yep. plays on the podcast as well so thank you Woo-hoo. all for that that was an thank incredible yes. thing to see when I got back it's uh, good to know that we can spiel on true crime stuff and people can listen to it and enjoy it so thank you so much we put in the effort yes and it pays off, so thank you. And keep an eye out on our, on, on our Instagrams in general, because soon, coming very soon, we will be releasing a brand new podcast all about music, so you don't have to hear us ramble on here as much about music. Yeah. But it's going to be all about music, it's going to be about albums, where we'll be going through them, reviewing them, bands, stuff like that. It's going to be mostly our kind of music, so expect a lot of rock and other stuff yeah it's a we will do the same as um i mean i'll just say this now we chose music because it's an interesting topic that i know nothing about and lauren knows nothing about i'm just kidding no but we'll probably take it in turn with choosing stuff yes as we do with the true crime we'll talk is... about like festivals and gigs that we might be going to or gigs yeah. that we have gone to because obviously we're going to talk about that kind of stuff i'll be, I'll be going to a lot more gigs fairly round now now i'm working on them a lot more so we're going mm-hmm. through all that kind of stuff so if you're interested in the music aspect of that side of things as well that aren't tri- true crime related yeah then keep an eye out keep an eye out on our instagrams we're still trying to come up with a name we've got the first episode kind of planned but mm-hmm. um yeah just let us know what name we should have if you want like give us some suggestions for names and we'll roll with it and look and have a look through them but yeah thank you guys for listening or watching or both and well obviously both if you are listening to it watching it that's a stupid thing to say uh but i will see you next week on the true crime friday podcast thank you for listening watching bye bye mm-hmm.